Hey, we're going to talk about this, uh, this thing called call and God's call on our life. And I want to give you a, a glimpse of an account from one of the greatest people in the Old Testament. Uh, but before we get there, thank you for allowing me to be gone last week in Guatemala. Jeff did a good job for those of you who were here. Yeah, that was good. Look at that. He even, he even got a clap. There you go. Uh, it's nice to be able to have people you can kind of turn stuff over to and uh, know that you all are in good hands. Uh, regarding this thing called call, uh, one thing I want you to realize is this. That God doesn't call anyone to mediocrity. There are, my fear is that there are far too many mediocre lives filled with minimal satisfaction. When, when Jesus said, I've come, that you might have life and life in all its fullness, abundant life, life added to life. That's not a call to mediocrity. That God has created us to thrive, that he would put man, uh, Adam and Eve in the garden. He said, I want you to be fruitful. I want you to multiply. I want you to thrive in this environment I placed you. And I, I, this morning, part of my goal is just to, to, to show you how to put yourself in a position to do so. Do you understand? The other thing I want, I want us to understand is that God's call, and please get this, God's call will always be to further His kingdom, His kingdom, not to establish a kingdom of our, for ourselves. And see, this is, this is somewhere where I think when we talk about call, one of the reasons we want to know God's call on our life, because we think that by God's call, it's going to make my life dot, dot, dot. And that puts the focus on God's call upon me and my benefit rather than on His kingdom's expansion. Do you understand? Do you understand? And so I, I just want to say from the outset, yes, God has called us to thrive, not to languish and not to live mediocre lives, but that thriving has to do with the furtherance of the establishment of his kingdom. That's our call. Now, what I, what, what I, what I mean by that is that is that when God sees that his kingdom is not being advanced and furthered, he will call people who will say yes to getting that done. No, that's not to say that all we are in this world are dutiful workers for God, just a little bit busy bees. God made you. He knows how he put you together. And it is both powerful and beautiful. When he and you work together to use your unique you-ness according to how he has put you together, perfectly fit into his perfect call. And when that happens, you will love living in the midst of that call. And his call will fit you and it will fit your gifts and it will fit your strengths and it will fit your loves. And it'll be your jam. You understand what I'm saying? So when you when you come into con when, when you hear God's call on your life, now we're not talking about destiny now because destiny 
is common for every Christ follower that we serve his purpose in the world and expand his kingdom. That, that, that's our destiny. That's what we were made for. But to get to that, he calls us in moments and in seasons and through opportunities. And when that call comes, when we hear it and we see it and we experience it and join him in it, it'll make sense because it will be one of the most true feelings we've ever felt in our lives. And it will fit exactly who we authentically are. There'll be no pretense about it. And it will be the, one of the most beautiful expressions of his love and his orchestration of who you are. And most often, God's call on our lives will be to move his ball further down his field because we happen to be in a place where someone has fumbled the ball. And so he calls us to pick it up and to move it. Do you understand what I'm saying? So this has a lot more to do with, does God's call on me to work at Starbucks or Krispy Kreme? I just don't know. Like that's, did someone just say Krispy Kreme? (laughs) Well, obviously, you go where the sugar is. So such is the case in the passage today. So if you have a Bible, brought one with you, why don't you go to 1 Samuel chapter 2. All this stuff is on the app, too. So if you just pull out your phone, there's a link there to get you to the Bible as well. But, but, but this is a, a bit of a longer, I want to share with you from this man's life. This little boy's life, actually, at first. Eli, now Eli was, was, he was the big man. He was the priest. His sons were scoundrels. He had two boys. They had no regard for the Lord. It was a practice of the priest that whenever any of the people would offer to sacrifice, the priest's servant, not the priest, but the priest's servant, would come with a three-pronged fork in his hand while the meat that was being offered was being boiled, as was according to Levitical law, and would plunge the fork in the pan, the kettle caught into the pot. Whatever the fork brought up, the priest would take for himself. And this is how they treated all the Israelites who came to Shiloh, the place of sacrifice. But even before the fat was burned, according to the Old Testament law, you had to burn the fat off first half as, as an offering to God. The priest's servant would come and say to the person who was sacrificing, give the priest some of the meat to roast. He won't accept boiled meat from you, but only raw meat. And if the person said to him, let the fat be burned first, because that's what God said, and then take whatever you want, the servant answered, answer, no, hand it over now. If you don't, I'm going to take it by force. They were just bad people at church. This sin of the young men was very great in the Lord's sight, for they were treating the Lord's offering with contempt. Now, Eli, their daddy, is very old. He heard about everything his sons were doing to all Israel and how they slept slept with the women who served at the entrance of the tent of meeting. You know, the nursery workers, the set-up girls, you know, just before they do church. You understand what's happening here? I just put it in perspective. So he said to them, why do you do such things? (laughs) Great parenting. Why? I hear from all the people about these wicked deeds of yours. No, my sons, the report I hear spreading among the Lord's people is not good. Well, duh. If one person sins against another, God may mediate for the offender. But if anyone sins against the Lord, who's going to intercede for them? His sons, however, did not listen to their father's rebuke, for it was the Lord's will to put them to death. Now, when it says the Lord's will to put them to death, it doesn't mean that means it was the Lord's decision. 
because of that, to be done with them because they would not change. Eli's sons, the servants of the priest, were treating God and his word contemptible and as common. And changing God's instructions to meet their personal preference. This is so interesting to me. When the Bible says in verse 13 of 1 Samuel 2, now it was the practice of the priests with the people that whenever someone offered a sacrifice of meat that was being boiled, the servant would come with three upon fork and you know take the meat. That was their practice. That was the tradition that had developed in their church context that was not God's way. And it's so interesting to me how easy it is to get caught up on well, the tradition. Well, this is how we've always done it without regard to what God has said. See, back in the day when the priest could not attend an event and, and meat was being sacrificed, they would send their, their servants, they would send their assistants that would take some of the offering that was legitimately the priest and take it with them. And what happened, it was this created this expectation well, that this, this is ours. We have a right to it. And that expectation created this tradition that treated God's instruction and His word as just common. Just commonplace. And it's interesting, in verse 15 it says, But even before the fat was burned, the servant of the priest would come and say to the man who was sacrificing, Give the priest some meat to roast. He won't accept boiled meat, only raw. That the, 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 the Levitical law in Exodus 29 and Leviticus 7 said that the fat had to be cut off the meat first, and that was burned to God. Because back in that day, the fat was considered the best part of the meat. I mean, even now, when we barbecue tri-tip, right, you want a little fat on it, right, because that's where the flavor is, right? And initially, you look at that law, and you think, well, why is God taking the best? Like, why does he get the, and that's our first thought. Like, why does God get the best? Well, because God deserves the best, for one. But the interesting thing is now we know what God always knew that they didn't know, that the fat really isn't the best. The fat is the worst, right? It's the worst thing for us. And so God's saying, let me absorb that which you think is the best, but is really the worst. You give me that part. I'll absorb that part so it doesn't make you messed up. Do you understand? But they were doing all that. See, they were getting their part before they gave God his part. Now, thank God none of us do that, right? What they were doing, God's word had become so common, they were treated with contempt. See, they had been around church so much. Now, rather than continue to honor God's word as it was clear and plain, they changed God's word for their benefit. Well, I know what God says, but I think, well, I know what it's always been, but I think now. See, God's word was so excessive. You know what Eli's son's names were? It's pretty funny. Hophni and Phineas. Yeah. It's like Phineas and Ferb. They're just idiots. And his sons, God's word was so accessible to them that it had become commonplace. Be careful. Let this be a warning. Just be careful. 
of God's word going from accessible to common. Because there's nothing common about the word of God. Please make note of this. I want you to get this. We treat with contempt what we view as common. Let that sink in. We treat with contempt what we view as common. When God's word, when the Bible is so prevalent and so accessible, and so it's so easy to get in God's word, we treat it with contempt. And by that I mean, yeah, you know, I'll go to church on Sunday. That's enough. When the Bible says it's the lamp to your, like step by step, you need it to make the right, it a little tiny steps at a time. We just treat it with contempt. It's so common. It's so accessible. I may or may not. I don't know. That's true not only for God's word. It's true for the person you're married to. When it's just, when, when the person you're married to is just so common. Yeah, they're always there. Yeah, they're, you know, blah, blah. blah. You end up treating them with contempt. Not because you don't like them, just because it's so common. You understand what I'm saying? We've got to be very careful about this. Regarding God's word, because, because his word is so accessible, there's a danger of treating it as mundane. God's word is anything but mundane. I mean, when we have the chance to open this up and look in, in, in here, I mean, the Bible even says of itself that, that Christ, the revelation of God is in his word. These aren't just words on a page. Like in here is the revelation of God. This is anything but common and mundane. And, and did, let me just make this note to, to parents, though. Did Eli know what his sons were doing? Did he? Yeah. Did he complain about his sons was, were, were doing? Yeah, he did, right? He complained. Why are you doing this? Everybody knows. Did he correct what his sons were doing? Not even a little bit. Complaining without correction is condemnation. Parents get this. It's not enough for you to feel bad, berate, I wish my kid would do. That's not enough. You can complain all you want, but without correction, you condemn them. See, it's a parent's job to correct their kids with love because if you don't, the world will correct them without love. You understand that part? Now, here's the thing. Correction isn't always effective, but it always better be consistent. Understand that, parents? I, nobody said yes, so I'm assuming you didn't get it. So, just because you try to correct them, it doesn't mean it's going to be effective. But it better be consistent on your part. The outcome of it, results of it's up to them, but your correction better be consistent. That's my parenting note for the day. I'll move on because that's not what this is about. So that, that, do you understand the context that's going on here with Eli and his two sons, Phineas and Ferb? You, you get what's happening here? Okay, so watch this. But Samuel, now this was a little boy. He was a young kid. 
And his mom had prayed for years for a baby, and he, she couldn't have it until finally God gave. And she said, God, if you give me a son, I'll give him back to you. And he'll work with the pre. He'll be yours. And so she finally has this boy. And be, she follows through with her into the deal. And she gives this little boy, Samuel, back to God to work with Eli at the place of God. So Samuel, this little boy, was ministering before the Lord. And the boy Samuel continued to grow in stature and in favor with the Lord and with people. Samuel, this little boy, in the midst of all this nastiness that was going on in the church and where he was working, he just continued doing what he had the opportunity to do. At no place at this point did Samuel ever have a call on his life. He never had a call from God. His parents said, this is what you have to do for now. And he was faithful to do what he had to do for now. In spite of what was going on around him. I love the fact that in the Bible, in verse 18 of 1 Samuel 2, it says, but Samuel was ministering. It's all this stuff that's going on. It's all this swirling going on. It's all this stuff that in any of our contests, we say, man, you just got to get out of there. That's nasty. It's caustic. It's bad. There's nothing good going on there. There's some bad. Just get out. Just do something different. Just move on. Go work at Krispy Kreme, right? Just do something different. But the Bible says this boy Samuel, he, but he was just ministering before the Lord. And then back down in, in verse 21, it says, Meanwhile, the boy Samuel grew in the presence of the Lord. And then finally in verse 26, it says, And the boy Samuel continued to grow in stature and in favor of the Lord and of the men. There's only two people in all Scripture that says they continue to grow with favor and stature with God and men. It's Samuel and Jesus. And all this boy did was be available and faithful in the moment. He didn't want to live in his life and God, where's my call? God, what's my destiny? God, what do you have? He said, this is what you've given me right now. And right now I'm going to be faithful and obedient and available in the moment. Do you understand? Now here's the thing. Maybe you don't feel called to the work of your employment right now. But right now, guess what? That's where you are. And so in that moment, even though you don't feel like that's God's call on your life, work hard, serve faithfully, and when God's ready to promote you to something different, he'll let you know. Do you understand? Right now, you don't want to be where you are. And you're waiting for God to call you to something different. But right now, where you are is where you are. Where you be is where you be. Right? So stay where you are and apply yourself, your full self according to the best you have to give and when God wants you to promote you to something different he will let you know but meanwhile right now just like Samuel even though it's nasty even though you don't like it even though it's bad stay where you are be faithful where you are there's a destiny you're working towards stay in the call oftentimes here's what happens I'm convinced of this. Oftentimes, when God's ready to bring us into new territory, we've got such bad attitudes about where we are, he can't. Just let that sink in a little bit. 
Here's my proof. God was ready to get the Hebrews into the promised land. Do you know how long that journey would have taken them had they walked straight to it like God had planned on them? Do you know how long it would have taken? How many of you know? Close, 11 days. It would have taken them 11 days. You know how long it took them? 40 years. <laughs> this is insane. God was ready to get his people in the promised land in 11 days. It took 40 years. You know why? Because their attitudes were so terrible. A generation had to die before they could be promoted to where God had for them. Maybe you feel like you're ready for promotion to the next level. Maybe you feel like you're ready for the next step. Maybe God even wants to talk to you so unmistakably clearly about a new call and a new direction, but your attitude is so bad about where you are right now for God to take you somewhere else and be putting crystal clear, clean water in a moldy container and contaminate it. We could stop right now. Don't let your bad attitude ruin your great opportunity. People get so worked up about where they are. Well, if God, why doesn't God, why doesn't God, why doesn't God let me, why doesn't God move, why doesn't God, he's saying, well, would you just be content with where I got you right now? Serve me where you are. If I took that, that attitude and put in a better opportunity, you'd ruin that opportunity. See, most of the languishing in life is not because of lack of opportunity. That's what we think. We want greener pastures. We want to be on the other side of the fence. We want to be somewhere else where it's better. Most of our languishing is not because of lack of opportunity. It's because our attitudes have ruined the opportunities that we've been given. That's languishing. Do you understand? One of the greatest lessons I can impart to you about God's call and your destiny is not to let your attitude ruin your opportunity. Now, how, for how many of you is that a, a wise and great lesson for somebody else. You're like, if only they could get this. Now watch this. Watch this kid, Samuel. The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. It was just rare. There were not many visions. One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak because he was so old, he could barely see, he was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God that was in the in the place of worship there, they, they had this lamp that would burn all the time. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord where the ark of the God was. Then the Lord God called Samuel. Samuel answered, Here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, Here I am. You called me? But Eli said, I didn't call you. Go back and lay down. I was sound asleep, you little booger. And so he went and lay down. And again the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli again and said, Here I am. Did you call me again? And He's like, oh, oh, my gosh, kid. My son, I didn't call you. Go and lie down. 
Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not been revealed to him yet. So it's not that he had any call in his life. He was just being faithful and obedient in the moment where he was. A third time the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli uh, and said, Here I am. You called me? And Eli said, Seriously, can an old man get some sleep? And he realized that God, Lord Jehovah, was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, Go and lie down. And if he calls you, say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and laid down in his place. The Lord came and stood there. It's interesting. I just realized this in reading that right. I just realized this. It wasn't until his heart was prepared to hear from God that God actually showed up. And all of the times it was just his voice. Now it's his presence. Now he came and stood. I just, realized, I just saw that. He stood there. Because now God knows that his heart is ready to be available for the next call. He came and stood there and he said, he was calling his other time, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, speak for your servants listening. And the Lord said to Samuel, I'm about to do something. I want to invite you into it. It's so interesting to me that for Samuel, God's voice sounded so familiar to the voice that was around him. That's profound because it begs the question, what voices do you keep around you? Are the voices that you keep around you ones who know the voice of God because they've heard God's voice in their own ears? If the voices around you are not voices whose ears have heard the voice of God, there is no way that they can further define confirm or direct God's word for you. Do you understand what I'm saying? There's no doubt in my mind that so many people languish for God's presence and voice and call all the while listening to voices in their ears who had never heard God's voice themselves nor followed his call. How you expect they're going to What voices do you keep around you? I love the fact that God's presence and voice came to the young. This young boy. He had all these professional religious people around him. And yet God's voice and presence came to this young one. Man, I'm telling you, man, listen. If you're young, and by young I mean younger than 50, Listen more to God's voice than you scroll through the opinions of others. Hear me on this. Listen more to God's voice than what you scroll through the opinions of others. Please get it. When I scroll through my phone, I'm present in others' lives but not my own. Do you understand? Samuel ran to Eli, who was old and almost blind, but he wasn't dead yet. Here's what I want us to understand. I don't care if you're young. I don't care if you're old. The fact is, if you're not dead, God's not done. 
young or old. The Bible says in this passage that the light had not yet gone out. If you got breath, you still got time. Do you understand? You might be old, but you still got time. And you might have excuses, but you still got opportunity. And you might say, yeah, but I have. You still have time. Yeah, but what has happened, you still have time. Yeah, but what, what is, you still have time. And what I know is that the next years can be the best years because you still got time. And I know this, that God will speak clearly to the one who will not find God's word common. God will speak clearly to the one who will not find his word common. Realize every time you have the opportunity to open the Bible, every time you have the opportunity to hear God's word taught, you have the opportunity to hear from God Almighty himself. The Bible says that the word of the Lord was rare. Do you know why? Because the Lord of the word was common. Yeah, some of that stuff right here. I'm giving you some of my best right now from this passage, man. Listen. The word of the Lord was rare because the Lord of his word was just so common. They held him in contempt. See, we want God to be more like Siri than we want Him to be like a Savior. You understand what I'm saying? And what we need is the revealed Word of God to discern our unique call. Now, let, let me just make this in real lifetime for me. When I was young, I loved to tell stories. And I was, I was a good storyteller. I loved telling stories. And, the, and, and something happened one day, and I don't remember the, 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 the details of the day. I don't remember the occasion of the day. I just remember the details of a call. And my mom sat me down. She said, Carl, I want you to understand something about yourself. You're a good storyteller. And I thought two things. You know what? I, I'm, I'm thankful that I have parents who always called the good that they saw in us kids to the surface. They always did that. They always called the good they saw in us to the surface. And I remember thinking two things when my mom told me that I was a good storyteller. One thing I thought, how am I going to make money being a storyteller? That's, that's seriously what I thought. What good does that do? And people don't pay anybody to tell stories. But the other thing I thought was this. I wonder what good that's going to do God. Because I knew at an early age, and I'm, I'm not lying to I knew at an early age that I had a destiny that centered on God's kingdom. Knew it. I didn't know the details. But I figured telling stories was going to fit into it somehow. Now fast forward. Carl the storyteller. I was a sophomore in high school, and the opportunity came in our high school group to teach high school. We had a big youth group. And I said yes, not to a call 
but to an opportunity. Do you understand? Just to an opportunity. You know, back a few weeks, we had the high school kids uh, work at church, and they, they taught some lessons in some classes. They ushered. They did all kinds. I'm so proud of them. Because what they did was says yes to an opportunity, more than what a lot of you have done. And I took the opportunity given to me to tell a story. You know what I told? The Old Testament story of Job. As a sophomore in high school. Here, here, here's, what, here's what I want you to know. Here's, don't try to find your calling. That's not a biblical idea. Don't try to find your calling. It's a modern church idea. It preaches well. It's motivational, but it's not a biblical idea. Nowhere in the Bible did someone seek out to find their calling. God just called them. See, here's what I know. When you serve God's destiny in each season that you're in, God's calling will find you. The problem, the reason why many people haven't found God's call yet because they've not served God's destiny in the season that they're in. They're trying to create a destiny for themselves rather than serve God's destiny. Serving God with your life and expand His kingdom in the world. See, all I did was keep in mind what was told to me of one who knew me of how God made me. And then when the opportunity arose, I was available. And God's call found me. Because guess what I do for a living? I didn't have that call. I had an opportunity. And in that opportunity, I served God's destiny. And out of that opportunity, serving God's destiny, God called me. And some of those opportunities were offered to me. As a sophomore in high school to teach high school, some of the opportunities I volunteered for as a senior in high school, volunteered to go to a maximum security state penitentiary in Walla Walla, Washington, and talk to convicts headed for the life in prison about eternal life in Jesus as a senior in high school. Because I had to call to prison ministry? No, I had an opportunity that I volunteered for that was attached to destiny. Do you understand what I'm saying? Don't go looking for your call. That's not a biblical idea. When you have opportunities to serve God's purpose with your life and expand his kingdom in the world, his call will find you. Just as it did for Samuel. Just as it did for me. There are times when it's hard to know if it's your voice talking to you or God's voice talking to you. The only way to know the difference between God's voice talking to you and your voice talking to you is to know God's word so well because you've looked at his authentic word so long you recognize the counterfeit voice. The problem is we've listened to so many other voices so long and we've heard all the other voices so well that when we hear God's voice, it seems counterfeit to what we've heard. So for you and for me in every season, serve God's designed destiny. Serve God's purpose with your life in the season where you are right now and expand his kingdom in the world where you are right now and his, his calling will find you. For some of you, it's going to be brand new and exciting. Or something's going to be brand new. I'm so excited for you. I'm so excited for you. For others of you who are old, 
If you don't know you're old, you're ignorant. I mean, that, that wasn't directly to you, Johnny. That was just in general to Here's, here's what I know. When we're old, God's call on us might be different than what we've always known, and it can be new but terrifying. You understand? Rick, come up here. So here's the thing. Here's the thing. In this season, whatever season you're in, if you're serious about ultimately fulfilling your destiny and in the moment fulfilling God's call in here, in this season, serve God's destiny and be assured that His call will find you. And here's how you do it. You say, as Samuel did, Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. I'm not asking for anything. I'm not asking for a call. I'm not asking for direction. All I'm asking is for your voice. Speak to me now because now I am listening. And when a heart says speak now because now I'm listening, not only do you get God's voice, you get God's presence. Do you understand? Speak, Lord, I'm listening. Speak, Lord, I'm listening. Speak, Lord, I'm listening. I don't want anything from you but your voice. I don't need anything from you but your presence. I'm not asking for a call. I'm not asking for a destiny. I just need you to show up and talk to me. And then you simply be available for the opportunity that God gives you. You say yes on the front end. God, I'm available. If you give me an opportunity, I'm going to jump on it like a tiger on a piece of meat. and I'm going to hang in there like a hair in a biscuit. I'm not letting go. I'm available to the opportunity that you give me. To what? Not to a call. I'm available to the opportunity you give me to serve your purpose with my life and to expand your kingdom in the world. Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. You understand? I wish, I wish y'all got as excited as I do about this. No, sit down, sit down, sit down, sit down. No, sit down. No, no, no. I got the mic, not you. Sit down. God called me to do this, not you. Sit down. Listen. Listen. You're on the precipice. You, you just now stand on the trailhead. You're just now starting your journey. And no mind has conceived. No ear has heard. No, no one has imagined what God has in store for those who love Him. He works all this stuff together for our good and for His glory. You just say, Speak, Lord. Your servants listen. I will serve your purpose with my life. I will expand your kingdom in the world. Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening.